Welcome to the VPR Cafe. I'm Rick Singeri. Labels. We use them for a lot of things as a way of understanding something. But do we always really know what these labels mean, especially when it comes to the food we eat? Here to talk about two certified labels she recently observed in action on a local farm is Melissa Passanen, a freelance journalist and contributor to the food section of Seven Days. Melissa, it's great to have you back at the VPR Cafe. Awesome to be here, Rick. How do consumers know what the labels mean that are attached to what they eat and drink? Labels are very confusing. And this specific story that I wrote for seven days focused on animal welfare and livestock practices and some labels that help people understand those. So I spoke with um, some folks at the Animal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, um, which listeners may or may not be aware actually does a lot of work on farm animal welfare. So I talked to the senior manager of that group, Kara Shannon, and she told me about some studies they'd done. In 2016, they commissioned a study that revealed a widespread misunderstanding of common labels. And part of the issue, she says, is there's an overload of claims like cage-free or natural that are basically either unverified or meaningless. So 65% of consumers they surveyed believe that free range means animals spend most of their time on pasture. But in fact, there's no legal definition of free range for pork, beef, or dairy livestock. Poultry must have outdoor access, but there are no defined details. So that just is an example of things that are not enforced or not specified. At Health Hero Farm in South Hero, they've earned a couple of certifications. What are they? What do those labels mean? Okay, so Health Hero Farm, which I visited, is one of eight Vermont livestock operations that recently received a small grant that was underwritten by the ASPCA to spread the word about those certifications and why they matter. The ASPCA supports um, three specific animal welfare certifications, and one of them is the one that Health Hero and these other folks have received. And they support those because they ensure implementation of, quote, standards that are meaningfully better than the norm. And really important, care of ASPCA told me, they also have strong oversight. There are independent inspectors who ensure that those guidelines are met. So the two labels that Health Hero Farm has, one is called Animal Welfare Approved, and it is all about humane handling guidelines and practices. And the second certification is for 100% grass-fed animals. And that, Kara explained to me, is also foundational to humane standards because it allows ruminant animals, the kind that graze, to exhibit, quote-unquote, natural behaviors, which is part of humane treatment, of course. What does that actually look like on the farm? So that's the fun part, right? So <laughs> yeah. I get to go to Health Hero Farm uh, and meet Joan Falco and Bob Fyrovid. They are the owners. They are business partners and life partners. Um, they have a herd of about 50 really beautiful cows. They're mostly this distinctive dark-eared white-coated breed called British Whites. They have some Angus and Devon crosses. And they showed me through the barn and they explained some of the humane practices like keeping the calves with the moms for a certain amount of time, giving access to outdoors even in winter. And in fact, they encourage that 
basically oblige that, and that's good for the animals. Do not worry the animals will be cold. They should get out and get fresh hair and good exercise, like your grandmother always said. Mm. They have handling equipment. This is all following the practices of Temple Grandin, a nationally recognized uh, expert in humane animal practices. And then out on the grass. So part of the 100% grass-fed practices are not only are these animals out on pasture, but they are moving them regularly at least once a day and sometimes three times a day to fresh pasture. Better for the pasture, which doesn't get overgrazed, overtrampled by the animals, better for the animals. It was just awesome to watch them move the line and have the cows follow along and put their heads down. It was like watching, you know, a table of teenagers in front of pizza. <laughs> so the farmers believe better for the animals, better for the resulting beef, believe that it's healthier for people, and also better for the earth. This is the VPR Cafe. I'm Rick Singeri. And with me today is freelance food writer Melissa Passadin. We're discussing labels and Health Hero Farm. Melissa, tell us more about these farmers at Health Hero and what got them doing what they're doing. Joan and Bob, as I mentioned, are partners. They moved from D.C. in 2014 to Vermont. Bob, 68, had just retired from doing ag research for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And Joan, who's a few years older, had retired doing work um, science research for the U.S. Department of Commerce. They were inspired by what Bob had learned during his work for the USDA about soil health. They were concerned about climate change. And as Bob said, we were looking for a farming life. They actually partnered when they first moved to Vermont with a leading grass farming expert in um, the state, the late Eric Noel and his wife, Hannah. And they were really interested in not only raising good food, but in using farming to help remediate soil at the same time to help sink carbon through, as uh, Bob put it, the grass takes carbon out of the air, the cattle eat the grass, they poop, and that manure becomes part of the soil and helps grow more grass. It's pretty straightforward, but you don't really think about it until you look at that closed-loop cycle. There have to be challenges to creating a profitable business that strives to meet these standards for grass feeding and animal welfare. What are those challenges? We did talk about some of the challenges, and some are just generally what it takes to start a farming operation. Bob and Jones said they are really lucky. They do not have to support themselves right now on this small-scale farm. They have retirement benefits. They sold a house that they used to have in the D.C. area. They were able to access and, and become part of a land trust deal with, as I mentioned, the Noels previously. And Joan said to me, I don't know how young farmers do it. And Joan and Bob are obviously getting on, and they would like to bring in some younger colleagues. So they're trying to figure out how they can make this business is profitable. They do have cash flow, but really to make it a profitable, appealing business. Um, one of the things that they're considering is they have something that's called a cow-calf operation, which means that every calf that they are raising for beef is one that was born on their farm. That is time-intensive, obviously, and labor-intensive. So they're looking to bringing in what are called feeder cattle, so maybe buying some young cows from other farms. But there are some issues because the animal welfare-approved label will only let them buy from other AWA-certified farms. The closest one that is selling animals is about seven hours away. But yeah, challenges, always challenges.
Melissa Passanen is a freelance journalist and food writer. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us again at the VPR Cafe. Always delicious to chat with you, Rick.